Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to overtime! Sabres are one and one after opening week in the NHL. Welcome in with Marty. I'm Brian. And when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily and self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens so you never miss a play. The sports book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win, Marty Baron. I loved the thrill of the win on opening night, but I'm like the rest of them now. I'm pissed off that they didn't get the win against the Panthers. That was the buzz phrase emanating from KeyBank Center, whether it was coaches or players, after Saturday's loss. Well, I think you want to be pissed off because you want to win every game, and you want to build this rivalry with the Florida Panthers, and I think that's where the pissed off came from. Now, I had the Sabres one and one after two games. I didn't know if they were going to beat Ottawa and and lose to Florida or lose to Ottawa, beat Florida. But I had them at one and one after two. So I'm not pissed off. And I thought they played really well against the Ottawa Senators and shut things down, played well defensively. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, Craig Anderson really came up big. And then Eric Comrie looked really good against Florida. The Sabres gave too much space to the Florida Panthers, especially around the crease, two-on-ones. And they're going to clean that up. But I'm not pissed off after two games i just i like that that you know what you're ticked off about you want to play better and you want to win every game i like that but as a as an analyst and as a fan i'm not i'm not mad about it i exactly where i thought they'd be well that's because you're always you know so happy all the time um i'll take the emotional side and 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 where if you really want to get me upset you should have seen my reaction when the amherst took needless penalties in the third period and blew what was a fully controllable game because Lukanen was playing so well in goal. Anyway, they're one and one also. We may dive into that real quick. Before the end of this uh, rapid-paced kind of boom, boom, boom type of podcast this week on Sabres Live Overtime, eyes and stats. Give me three players you are happy or concerned about right now. Okay, well, number one, I'm happy with Craig Anderson. He looked really good in the first game, beating his former team, the Ottawa Senators. So that's one thing that's looking good. And really, goaltending in general, I think we can say Comrie looked good as well. So that's one. Two, Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, He has looked so good, scored in both games. Um, Not just scoring, but his, his confidence with the puck, incredible. And three, I'm going to say Alex Tuck. Um, is skating... Uh, is attacking of the net. And now what we saw uh, on Saturday afternoon is Don Granado putting Tuck with Thompson and Skinner in the third period. Uh, we're going to have to keep an eye on that, but I think that's because Tuck has looked good um, playing away from Thompson and Skinner, so he put him with him. So those are the three guys I would say I'm looking. I, I think they're looking really good. Well, quickly on that, he put him with him, but the team did nothing offensively in the third period. So did it really work? Well, I don't think it's uh, – I'm not going to put that on Tuck. No, um, I'm not asking you to. I'm just saying like, it, it didn't change anything. So are you likely to see it stick based on the fact that, again, I'll reemphasize, like nothing offensively in the third. Couldn't get their goalie out, couldn't get offensive zone time, had five shots in total of the period while trailing the entire time. That's that's what they should be pissed off about. They, they but will, the coach isn't. They, the coach is actually are. happy about it. They, I think they are pissed off about it. And that, to me, that, that – 
I'm going to single out the group of forwards now uh, and the, the veterans that are there and that have been there and have produced. That's what I'm looking at in the third period. Where were you? Because we saw Don Granado giving two shifts, I believe it was two, to J.J. Paterka, Jack Quinn, and Peyton Krebs. So mm-hmm. the rest of the group, the nine, right, even when you look at Caliposo and Zemigas Gurgens and Rasmus Aspen playing basically a regular shift with yeah. only three lines going back to back to back, and the rest of them, uh, to me, needed to step up. But I think that Tuck was the one that, was trying, was mm-hmm. was doing things in that game and then got put with Thompson and Skinner. You need all five on the ice to, to be on the same page to produce and especially the whole line, and that didn't work. The reduction in ice time for Quinn and Paterka started sadly in the second because of all the penalties, yeah. and Quinn had eight shifts over the final two periods, including three of them under 25 seconds. Paterka had nine of his 19 shifts in the game were 27 seconds or way less than that. So it'll be interesting to see how things get reconfigured here moving forward and or usage of said players because it is an interesting and challenging road trip ahead for sure about that. Um, I thought, was hopeful, that Victor Olofsson would really benefit from having those two empty netters at the end of the game against Ottawa. But the reality is now through two games, it stands out like a bit of a sore thumb that Olofsson has not been on the ice for a single high danger chance for. That would be my trend that absolutely can't continue among this uh, group of forwards. And yes, it's early, but what else are we going to talk about? So we can only talk about what we have to talk about, Marty. Yeah, and I think you think you say concerning what's concerning me um, with Skinner, Thompson, Olofsson, okay. uh, not only as a group, but individually. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I saw, look, it's two games, so am I going to hold it against them? No, right. not yet, but they're going on a very, very tough road trip now, playing Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and Seattle. Um, those three are going to have to have an impact offensively, and the first two they didn't, so... That is probably the most concerning of the first two games. What about Owen Power at this point, leading the team in high danger chances against that he has been on the ice for? What do you see there? I think Owen is uh, a little bit like a deer in a headlight right now in the sense that he's trying to do a lot Mm -hmm. um, and he's, he's, he's creating good things, but also creating bad things against, right? So that to me is, is the, the 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 field that I have for in power. It's not Henry Okiaru because a lot of the, the, the turnover and the high danger chances that are happening are directly caused by Owen Power and his play. But we all know the way that Owen is as a defenseman, mm-hmm. roving all over the place, taking chances. It's just a matter of timing. And one day you're on it, the next day you're a little off. And he's been a little off, but there were some really nice plays. And I'm going to give him all the time in the world. Listen, that's his first real NHL season. Played eight games last year. So I'm going to give him all the time in the world. I'm not concerned about him. And I'm not concerned about the numbers right now. How about a surprise stat? Can I offer one up to you? Always. And I only say it, and it's probably tongue-in-cheek, because I'm ripping on those who rip on this guy. The only player who is perfect and at this level at five on five play goals for and against Henry Yokiharu has been on for three goals for and zero against. So I would at this point in time want to quote Michael Buble, but I won't. 
No, you're not going to say what Bouvle said about the Leafs. Uh, but I'll tell you this. At the end of uh, the game against the Florida Panthers, we saw a switch in the deep pairing, maybe changing a few things. And it was Darlene and Yoki Aryu, obviously, mm-hmm. put together a little bit. And I think that is because Henry has looked good. I'm not yeah. saying Henry's doing anything out there to to wow everybody. But you have Darlene that can do that. And you have power that can do that. So Henry's doing his job right now. And that's all he can ask for. I liked Samuelson yesterday too, uh, or on Saturday, I should say. What did I you think? When he took a puck in the face and almost still scored and knocked the net over, came yeah. back. Um, yes, I have liked uh, I liked Samuelson's game against the Florida Panthers on Saturday, but you're not. So what we saw in the first game against Ottawa is all three pairs really, really working well. Bryce mm-hmm. and Labushkin looking really good, and it was Samuelson and Dallin and Power Yokari looking good. Now. We know they're young. We know that the top four, especially extremely young, um, it's going to take some time. But you can't have just one pair going. You can't have just two pairs going. That All three pairs are going to have to go because that, I believe, how the Sabres will have success. Quickly on special teams, power play is 0 for 8. The penalty kill sounds nice at 8 for 10, but it cost them in the second period against Florida. So, so far, that's a double negative. Yeah, there was two goals uh, that the Florida Panthers scored on the power play. Uh, the power play is what is concerning to me. The, the penalty kill, there was miscommunication, mm-hmm. misassignment. Uh, Aaron Eggblad walking all alone while Caliposo went left. Zemgus Gergensen was already on the left, and then Eggblad is like, well, thank you very much, I'll walk in. And that, to me, will be corrected. Yeah. What I didn't like about the power play is that even though we talked about, oh, there's two units out there. There's guys on both sides that can shoot. There's passers and playmakers on both units. I don't recall maybe one or two good looks on one-timers. Tate Thompson had a good one-timer. I believe it was Block. Uh, Victor Olsen had one one-timer. And uh, Anton Forsberg read it really well. I believe it was in the first game. He came over and knew exactly it was coming. I haven't seen the looks that I would hope for from that power play. Yeah, Thompson definitely had one that was thwarted. He's had a t- uh, so this led me down and had nothing to do with special teams, but I was just trying to be, you know, silly because that's what we do. When it comes to potential line changes moving forward here, are 53 and 72 a duo? Well, Don Granado has talked about their chemistry and look, they have had chemistry together yeah. in the offensive zone. Right in the mm-hmm. offensive zone, Olafson Thompson Skinner had a tough time getting into the offensive zone. I felt like they were all three on their own separate islands. But yeah, Jeff Skinner at the far blue line looking for those bank passes off the wall for breakaways. Mm-hmm. He had Thompson in the neutral zone looking for the middle of the ice open. And then you had Olafson who was like, Oh, I'm not really a puck carrier, I'm a guy in the offensive zone that is looking for shooting lane. Um, that's why I think Tuck on that line works well. How did Tuck score his goal? Carried it through the neutral zone. Got it from Yokiaru. Even before that, the chance that I telestrated um, on the broadcast Saturday afternoon was Tuck through the neutral zone, getting the puck, making a play, right? I think Tuck is really good through the neutral zone with his size and speed, mm-hmm. which is something Thompson and Skinner need because with Olafson, they're not getting in the offensive zone. But there was a chance in the Ottawa game where Thompson went to Skinner behind the net and came back to Thompson. He took a quick shot. Probably their only and best chance so far 
in the first two games. It was in the offensive zone, but they haven't gotten there so far uh, a whole lot. Um, anyone else that we haven't touched on on the roster right now before we kind of quickly move on to even more wide-ranging and ridiculous tongue-in-cheek type stuff? Uh, Jacob Bryson killing five-on-threes, killing penalties. Mm. I, I mean, this may be a new role for Bryson. Uh, I don't mind it because, yes, he's not the biggest and the most physical and blocking shots is probably not what we've seen out of Bryson, but he's quick. He's got a good stick, reads the play well, so maybe that's going to work. Labushkin was, I thought, really good in the first two games. Uh, you know, There's some physicality there, but the puck moving and uh, the speed, I think, is something that I was uh, – I, I had him more underrated in that part. So uh, he, show, he, showed, he showed well in the first two games. They tell you who Bryson is really good friends with? Yes, you did. Bo Horvat's uh, cousin. Oh, Travis Konechny. Yes. <laughs> yes, you did. You did. I've I learned, like, I have learned, I have learned a lot this week about Travis Konechny. But I, why I hesitated is because I know you said Konechny was Bo Horvat's cousin. So I was like, wait, did I make that up that Bryson's good friend with Konechny or both stories, uh, you know, connected? Uh, anyway, um, league stuff. What is wrong with the NHL after its first full week? Oh, uh, I don't know what you mean. And I, I, I kind of had a feeling you were going to go there. Um, <laughs> why? I Cause I, are you, you saying I'm negative? <laughs> I don't know what you mean by what is wrong. Okay. Well, let me, let me tell you this then. Why is Troy Terry a unicorn at the moment? Oh, my gosh. Please stop saying unicorn. <laughs> I had 37 goals last year. If he started hot and scored a few in his first few games, that's because he can score. Oh, like, no, that's not if it. If Thompson had scored four goals in his first two games, are we calling him a unicorn? He had 38 last that has year. nothing to do with that. Why is Troy Terry, after the first full week of the season, a unicorn by NHL standards? I have no idea. He's the only player to have scored an overtime goal. What has happened to this league and its alleged competitive balance? We have almost no overtimes. We've had no shootouts. What's going on? Where is okay, the well, competition factor say, here? What stood out to me in the first few days of the first bad goaltending, bad goaltending, and a lot of goals scored. That's yeah. what stood out to me. Like yep. there's been some really bad performance in that where. You know, Phil Grubauer in Seattle is terrible in the first game. They go to Martin Jones. He plays well. The next game, Martin Jones is terrible. He gets pulled. Jack mm -hmm. Campbell gets pulled in the Battle of Ontario. Uh, Jacob Markstrom didn't even play in the first uh, Battle of Alberta. I should have said I said Battle of Ontario. Sorry, my mm -hmm. geography is off. Jacob Markstrom didn't even play in the only game in Edmonton this year in the Battle of Alberta. Why? Because, you know, Daryl Sutter is like, well, in the first game, like, Jacob Markstrom was just average and yeah. You know, last year in the playoffs, he wasn't great against that team. So, like, goaltending has been iffy in the first week. UC Soros has had a tough North American start, too. He looked yeah. good in Europe. He had a tough start in North America. What do you make of that story that the Predators are planning to relocate? I don't think that's <laughs> happening. What, what, I'm sure the city of Bern would welcome them with open arms on a full-time uh, basis. Because the, of Yoke the problem is they might not have a league to play okay. in then. Oh. Well, I well I know it's tongue in cheek, but um, you know quickly the NFL is looking at maybe a European league at some a division at some point. 
Mm-hmm. I know there's great cities, hockey cities in Europe, like Bern, like, uh, well, we, we know in Germany there's a lot, but Prague is a great mm-hmm. hockey city. Helsinki, yeah. Stockholm, they're great hockey cities. I mean, we could see that happening too. And then I know. how about like a guy like Roman Yossi or some European guys like Rasmus Dahlin in a few years? I'm not saying that to start something, but... <laughs> Getting a chance to play in Sweden, like that would be really cool. By the way, there's been 11 uh, NHL defensemen with three points this year. Darlene is one of them, but he stands atop the defense scoring list after one week because the only he's the only defenseman with two goals. Okay, seven six five five four four four. Is that the call in number to Sabres Live that we never answer, or is it in fact? the bottom seven teams in the NHL and the first digit of their goals against average. Well, I know it's the second one uh, because uh, the phone number um, doesn't exist. I tried to call that number earlier. It doesn't exist. Um, Minnesota has given up seven, Arizona, six, Anaheim, 5.4, New Jersey, five, Columbus, 4.6, LA, 4.6 and Vancouver, four. That's a okay. tough way to start the year. Duffer, LA. Right at Minnesota, they get off to an unbelievable start. Cal Peterson yeah. couldn't stop in it. It was six six yeah. in the third period, and Not then how long it wasn't seven six. Like, oh my goodness! And Mark Andre Fleury, look, maybe it's not on him, but I I said it last year. I didn't know why Minnesota went to go get Mark Andre Fleury because they had Cam Talbot and Kapokakin, and I thought their tandem was really good. And then they decide to extend Flurry and mm-hmm. trade Talbot and trade Kakinen. And I like Jesper Walston, but he's young. So now you're relying well, he's on not even there. Yeah. The, I, I believe at the end of his career and struggling and, and a young guy. Like, it's not good for Minnesota. No, Philip Gustafson's the uh, backup, if you want to call it that, right now to Flurry, And uh, he obviously absorbed the loss. Against the Kings in what turned out to be an L.A. 7-6 win that Peterson was quoted afterwards as saying that he hopes he never has to live through again, although he's quite happy to have secured a victory in a game that was horribly uncomfortable uh, the entire way through. All right. The league, by the way, is averaging 6.3 goals per game through its first 38 games. So the offensive number, as you alluded to, is still you know where they would like it to be or close to where they would like it to be. We're just not seeing the same drama the same number of comebacks the the the, you know the extended games right now so we'll see how quickly that changes um who who do you love and or loathe at this point in time through the first full week in the nhl like names at either end of the spectrum that you're just like you're so happy to see success for that person or you're quietly going (laughs) you know to the tough start well, I'm not. You would going, never be that guy. I would be that guy. I, I'm not. I'm not going. He he he. I, I, but I, listen, um, Nazem Kadri with Calgary, I think, is a perfect fit. And I am all. Look, look, Kadri is a little weasel, and he's gotten suspended, and he does some things on the ice that are a little lot borderline. Uh, but he's also had to deal with a lot, and we saw last year there was racism towards him. Uh, on social media and everything. And he goes out to Calgary after a tough off season. It took him forever to sign, right? And uh, I really like the way that Calgary is playing right now. Um, so I'm going to say Nazem Kadri and scoring a goal in the Battle of Alberta again, uh, in, uh, in Saturday on Saturday night. 
I think this is one of those that I'm like, yes, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Calgary, who lost Kachuk and Gaudreau and get Huberdo and, and Kadri and Uyghur and are off to a good start. I'm, I'm happy for that team. Um, one guy that maybe it's because we got to see him Saturday night and I think we'll develop a rivalry with everybody in the Eastern Conference is Matthew Kachuk. Mm. And so just because we got to see him and because he low bridge Henry Yoki are you and Tuck went after him and all of that, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, let's pay close attention. How many teams he pisses off this year in the <laughs> conference? Uh, how many teams are there in the conference again? <laughs> well, he, he's not going to piss off his own team. So there's, you don't think, Oh, no, give, give it. it time. Oh, <laughs> There's always an off day where things go awry, right? Maybe, but I would say 15 and a half is the over-under on teams he gets mad in the Eastern Conference. So if you think he's going to make Florida mad, you go the over. I'm going to go the under at 15. Yeah. What do you, um, from what you were able to gather, and I I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot a little bit with this, but... Uko Pekalukinen was a game star in each of the first two Amherst games, uh, a home ice victory at Blue Cross Arena for two over the Marlies, uh, a really tough 3-1 loss on Saturday where he stopped 37 of 39. It is worth noting that the four goals that have gotten by him, because one Toronto goal was an empty net, three of the four were power play. And one was on the first shot of his season that was assisted directly by an Amherst unfortunate giveaway. Uh, so now that I've clouded your judgment, what do you know? What are you excited about with what we're seeing in Lukanen right now? I'm excited because he had a really good camp and he needs to go to Rochester and dominate and be that guy that's mm-hmm. going to play a lot. Malcolm Subban injury, that's going to give him even more time to play, especially early in the season. And Uko Pekalukunen needs that. Do you remember Igor Shosturkin with the Hartford Wolfpack? Yeah. He played a full two-thirds of the season in the American League before going up to the Rangers because they had Longquist and Georgiev. There were some injuries, and he went up to New York. He dominated the AHL like Nobody's really dominated the AHL like Shesterkin in a while, right? And Shesterkin did that and played a lot of games at the AHL level before going up to the NHL. That's what I want from for UPL. Mm-hmm. I want him to say, like, he's dominating. He's at the top of the statistical category, either in save percentage or goals against average, and wins. And every time he goes into a building, people are like, that's UPL. That's their guy. That's their goalie. That's the Sabres goalie maybe of the future or whatnot. And then maybe after playing 30, 35, 40 games, let's see where the Sabres are at. Uh, I'm, you know, That's not bearing any injuries or whatever sure. with yeah. Anderson and, 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 and Comrie. But there's no reason to say, oh, well, UPLs look good in the first two weeks or in the first month or whatnot. No, he's got to look good over three or four months. And he's got to have that, that feeling that he goes in and dominates and he's the guy, right? That's important. Yeah, yesterday, or pardon me, Saturday, Lucas Rusek scored um, the only Amherst goal. It was, and he's been so good um, through everything, development camp, prospects challenge, preseason, you name it, uh, from Cedarquist and Yopst. And they were really, I thought, in control of the game. Unfortunately, it was one of those, um, you know, 
marbles in the pockets kind of game for the officials where Toronto got the first three penalties and the Amherst got the last four. And it led to what turned out to be really lopsided shot total over the last two periods, 30 to 13, including 18 to seven in the third. But all that being said, like the game was stable at one, one after the Marlies had tied it on the power play. And then I hope this doesn't have a, you know, although maybe I hope it just, you know, the theme of the show is, is, is pissing someone off. Uh, I hope Brett Murray's pissed off. <laughs> um, it was, it was a really ticky tacky um, penalty in the neutral zone. Like he, there'd been contact and then he's going to the bench and like, he turns around and like does a little kind of hook jab at the skates of the guy. And of course the guy flops and of course they call it. And then of course, probably the only blemish through the first two games of Lukanen's weekend is, is that goal. That's the go ahead goal. And you're just sitting there going, this is like the hockey gods, how they conspire against you sometimes to teach you lessons and stuff like that. So it was frustrating. And I certainly wouldn't blame Brett, although he probably knows like it was not a smart decision to do that. It's just, it I don't know. How many, how many times, how many times it had no relevance to the play though. It wasn't like the guy was involved in the play. Yeah. This or that, which was the worst call, the Brett Murray penalty or the Rasmus Darling cross check penalty where he barely. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. He tried to cross check him. Right. It's like, it never got there. Like he Mm -hmm. barely touched him because the guy got too far away from him. But the referee's angle was one that, Oh, but he cross checked air and he got a penalty on it. Yeah. That was. Hey, I know what's wrong with the NHL too. Here's another thing that's wrong with the NHL that we're in the first week of the season and Toronto have Matt Murray hurt and they don't know what's going to happen that they almost had to sign a goaltender to a PTO to back up uh, Ilya Samsonov on Saturday night because they're too tight to the cap. You know what's wrong with the NHL is that teams are at the cap or with a few dollars left off that they're struggling to manage their actual team because they're too tight to the cap. Maybe, or they're just manipulating by saying, Hey Matt, if you're not hundred percent, why don't you take a seat for a month and we can call three guys up from the Marlies. It's going to make our team better. That's exactly what happened to Toronto. And they're probably going to roll better now with Samson off in goal anyway. So yeah, you're Matt Murray. Do you, I know, like, I know. I'm, Matt I'm, Murray, they tell know, me, I'm being facetious. Hey, you, you know, know what? LTIR would be better for you. I'm not oh. that hurt. And I don't want to go on LTIR. I, I don't want to be done 10 games in 24 days. And then, the next time I'm going to play, it's in November. I don't want that, but I understand what you're saying. It's it's convenient to the Leafs that all of a sudden now yes. they can call up Nick Robertson and whatever because they have the cap room with Murray on long-term IR. Mm-hmm. Um, the name to um, – and the list is long from the Amherst, but people would gloss over after opening weekend the name that has not found the score sheet yet but has been really fun for me to watch, and that's Alexander Kisikoff. Leads the team uh, with six shots, and I think he's all around it. Uh, Yuri Kulik is is really close, too. You know when he, Victor goes through those phases where he's kind of dusting off the one-timer or he needs it to be absolutely 100%? Yeah. That's, the beauty of Kulik's game right now is he's always the target. The puck is always finding him. And it's like, oh, it's only a matter of time before he absolutely starts owning this shooting position. And so I'm excited for that. And 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 I will say it's a good week to continue checking out the Amherst. The Sabres are hitting the road, obviously. So some late night starts, but the Amherst are home on Wednesday to Belleville, home on Friday to Syracuse before a return engagement 
down the highway on Saturday in Syracuse against the Crunch. So ample opportunity to uh, invest a little time there with the Emmerichs. Um, What did you just hit me with? A dis or dat, was it? Uh, yeah, I said the uh, worst penalty. Murray oh, the worst or- penalty. So the worst, yeah. So mm, I'll go with the Brett Murray one. Um, fill in the blank. Oh, the well, Saber- I, I have another dis or dat for you, but go ahead. Do fill in the, the blank. The Sabres season will be blank if they don't finally beat the Kraken. Uh, will be the same. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. They played two times against them, one there, one here. It won't, it's not like, oh, uh, you know, like, back in the days with the Bills, like, it was, oh, if they beat the New England Patriots, our season's made, or the Sabres, if they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs, our season's made. The Kraken, I don't care. They're another team that you have to beat or not beat, whatever. Okay. But it's funny that they've never beaten them, though. Like, last year they didn't. It's not funny. It's not funny at all. No one's laughing about this. It needs to stop, and it needs to stop on this road trip. played two games against them. (laughs) Two. Okay. Um, Give me your other dis or It's not like it's been, like, seven years, and they haven't beaten them in seven years. It feels like seven years. You know how long we've been talking about the Kraken? And they're built up into the NHL. Right now with this fill in the blank. Okay, you want the truth? The truth is, I'm still mad about Will Borgen being there. Okay, this hurts. I hate it. It does right. hurt. I understand. Uh, okay, what's the, your uh, diss or dot? What's the last diss or dot you have for that. me? Um, yes. Sabers are going to play the Oilers and the Calgary Flames this week. Diss or dot? Which one is the better team after Battle of Alberta Saturday? I saw Calgary Flames win. Diss or dot? The better team, the Oilers or the Flames? Ooh, I'll go Flames. I still think the Oilers, the Oilers are more dangerous, bad... but the Flames, I think, are the better team. Like the problem with the Oilers is it doesn't matter if Buffalo goes up four nothing in the first period. It, that's not going to be how the game ends. And it may well get really, really, really hairy by the time it's all said and done, because the Oilers are just that type of team. Just like it was against the Flames. They're down. The Oilers are down four one. And all of a sudden you're thinking they score four two and you're like stressing for Calgary. They're not mm-hmm. going to be able to hold them up. They almost didn't. Um, I think the Oilers, their special teams are just crazy. 50% and power play. David Dreisaitl, um, they're just, it's the star power there is just off the charts. Yeah, I mean, their power play did run extremely hot right from the start of last year as well. Right now, they're even with Colorado at 50%. And, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Calgary got scared and then stabilized and won. Vancouver got scared. And just got run over. And that leads us to one word to describe the start of JT Miller's season in Vancouver. On for all eight goals against for Vancouver through the first two games. In games where Vancouver led 3-0 and 2-0 and came away empty from those two games. So nickname is the one word for JT Miller. And his nickname is Red Light Arasico. For those who don't remember, Andre Rasico is the backup to Patrick Waugh in the late 80s, early 90s uh, years, I believe, with the Montreal Canadiens. And it was just a very average backup, but they nicknamed him Red Light Rasico. So JT Miller, his nickname and his one word is Red Light Rasico, all hyphenated. Well, he's as uh, peed off as uh, a lot of the Sabres were yes, on Saturday afternoon at this point in time. But uh, it'll change. It is a, it is a, a, we're barely, barely, barely getting onto the runway here for this 22-23 season and look forward, um, you know, 
to uh, this road trip? How would you how would you sum characterize before we go? One word to describe this upcoming trip. Um, timing. It's the best time of year to go out Western Canada because it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and Seattle. I've never been to Seattle, so I can't speak on it. I would assume it's beautiful at this time of year as well. So timing is great. Timing to go out as a mm -hmm. team because they play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then they don't play until the Tuesday in Seattle. I believe they're going to stay in Vancouver an extra day or two and do some team bonding over there. So for me, that's what it is. Timing is perfect. I love the Western Canadian road trip early in the year. So one word for this road trip is timing. Timing was to be critical for us on the podcast this week, but I believe we have failed again in my quest to get it under 30 minutes. So we'll try harder next time and see you soon. 